0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org, and don't forget to subscribe. Such a privilege to be here with, with you. Um, I want to first of all thank you for the input that you have into our movement globally, uh, Pastor Simon and Lindy, Pastor. Roger and Nicola and the rest of your team, we draw on you um, at the highest levels of our leadership to help us shape and form our movement. You're a large part of the reason that we do the things that we do. And so I was here actually, but the South African team was actually leading the assessment process, and you have just such remarkable leaders. That's all I really know how to say and it. it was great to see Tiam and Natasha, of course, i seeing half of Tiam, he's not half the man he used to be, um, so it was a little surprising when I walked in, and I thought, where is the rest of you have gone? to somewhere else besides where we are at right now. So uh, it was a thrill to get to spend more time with you guys through the years we spent time together. Tony leaned over by the way uh, right in the beginning and leaned over and I want to say this to those of you online and those of you here he said thank you for coming to the really good service. This is where all the great worship people are at. How many of you think that's Okay, good. Well, that's, that's good. Uh, so good, Tony. I'm glad you said that. Now, the first service might have issues with that, and the next one, but we're going to say that for right now. And then John and Jan Sison, um, such a privilege to see you again all the way from the U.S. You've moved here, and he was on our staff for many years. Our, miss- our missions process in the U.S. was all the design of John and his amazing mind. And so it's always a privilege to be back Here in Rosebank, and uh, Simon has given me, in case you're wondering why it's such a long introduction, but Simon gave me a drop dead time, so I will drop dead um, at, in 24 minutes, Simon, I will will drop dead. Would you take your Bibles out and open them to the book of Acts chapter 2? We're going to begin in verse 41. Outrageous love is the series. Outrageous love. Outrageous love. Love. We are supposed to, as a church, have outrageous love for the world and the society that we live in. How many of you think we're supposed to be that as Christians? We should absolutely be outrageously in love with South Africa, with Johannesburg, with Pretoria, with Midrand, with every square inch of the planet. But to do that means we must be transformed. We must be transformed. And so I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture uh, that really is insight into the first Christians, the very first group like us that hung out. So let's read there in the book of Acts, and I forgot to open my Bible, so let me get, since I'm the guy reading, Acts 2, starting in verse 41 So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Jesus, we invite your presence today. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak to every person watching online that Jesus you would talk to us through your word and just like the people that were in this passage of scripture as they heard the word they were cut to the heart may you cut us to the heart not to harm us but to heal us not to deform us but to transform us so that we can be the kind of people that have outrageous love for the people in the world in which we live in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen Amen. Rome was really messed up when this passage of scripture was written I know we think that we look at South Africa and we think South Africa is really messed up I know when I fly home I mean I know all of you view American politics I live in a crazy nation right now We are crazy. And no one knows how to fix it. No one. No one knows how to fix South Africa. And No one knew how to fix Rome. John Wesley coined a phrase a long time ago as he opened the door in London and looked at the massive depravity and poverty in London. Yeah. And it, it so overwhelmed him he couldn't find words for it. So he coined this phrase, "complicated wickedness." Yeah. 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 How many of you like that phrase to describe what you find out that, that we're supposed to love yeah. outrageously It's <laughs> yes, complicated. You try to touch the poverty issue and it's connected to every other issue. And you can't fix that because of this and that and then you can't touch the racism because it touches this and you can't and you just step back and like, oh, Jesus help. Yeah. Now this passage of Scripture was written right after Jesus came and inserted himself to pull off redemption of the great rebellion of humankind that creates the complicated wickedness. So when I step back and I say, why is the U.S. messed up? It's not because of our presidents or our Congress or our Senate. It's because of the great rebellion against God the Father. And when you rebel, it creates complicated wickedness in your marriage and your family and your kids and your society and your jobs and the race and everything else. It's complicated. Jesus had just completed the act of redemption to save humanity from their great rebellion. Now, remember, he had just done it. Two months, and it it just, just happened. Rome was burning. Rome was horrific. You think South Africa got issues? Rome got issues on top of issues. On top of issues. Let me give you kind of a window into, because because Jesus is coming to fix it. So wouldn't we want to look at, like he's only been dead like 60 days, raised from the dead, proving he was God. So what is his first move? I mean, he started in right there. So I want to know what was your first move if we're supposed to have outrageous love for Rome? What is your, like? how are you going to fix it? I mean, my son-in-law trains NBA basketball players. And when he looks at a D1 college player and they have a dream to go on the NBA and he works them out, he looks at him and sometimes he says, and that's all you got? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Thinking, you think you, you want to play in the NBA and that's all you got? Like, you need to go work for Walmart, baby. You need to probably get some other drink. And when I read this passage of scripture, honestly, I look at Jesus and I say, in light of Rome, that's all you got. For what lies out there, that's all you got? But the reason is because we don't understand what that is that he got. And he brought... A guy named Rodney Stark wrote a book, The Rise of Christianity. And you say, this is a long introduction. Listen, I'm just going to preach till I get to the end of the time and I'm just going to drop the mic. And I'm going to walk off. Okay, now, I don't know if I can drop this mic. I might drop an ear. At my age, an ear could fall off. So I'm a little concerned about this, but I've got a doctor in the house with two PhDs. And whenever in the heck you were a doctor, you must have became a doctor at 10 because you look 20 now. Wow. I leaned over to Simon. I said, when she was a doctor, I said, she looks like a... 20-year-old, when you were a doctor. Keep drinking the water in Johannesburg. It's doing you very well. I need to get me some of that. Big time. So back to Jesus. I kind of got sidetracked back to Jesus. And so here, Rome is burning. few problems in Rome. First of all, they hated women. They hated the gender. Female. So what they did... For those of you that think gender hatred is new, they would just take girl babies and set them outside and let them die. It was called infanticide. Abortion was rampant in Rome because the Gnostic view of human flesh was really the view of human flesh, that human flesh really didn't matter. Again, note, Jesus incarnated Himself in human flesh. He said, human flesh is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, throughout all of church history, human flesh is sacred. And so is the womb because the activity of God shows up in the womb and they made babies and abortion was rampant in Rome. And the recipients of that abortion were females. And if they survived the abortion, most of them were sterile. Sure. So babies were not being born in the Roman Greco society to neither Romans nor the Greeks. Because they had the Gnostic view of the human body not being that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, in Christianity and in in Biblical theology, the body is sacred. It's always been sacred. And so Christians bury the dead. In Rome, when a pandemic would hit, the, the city would leave and let their family members die and rot. The Christians rushed in because the body is sacred. And they would take, tend and care for the sick because the body is sacred. Sacred. So the first Christians, when they stood up and they looked at Rome, they said, we're not going to kill female babies because they are sacred and they're equal to men. We're not going to kill the babies because that's infanticide as murder. We're not going to present. So they immediately were so countercultural. Why do you think there are so many women written about in the New Testament in an anti-female world? The reason is because they were They were sacred. And it was shocking to that society. How do you fix it? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Rodney Stark says that part of the reason that in 300 years Christianity brought down the entire philosophical construct of Rome and turned it into Christianity is because... Christians begin to have babies, and women were honored. Their population exploded. Why did Rome have to conquer the barbarians? Because they had no people. So they had to fill their cities and their armies and their businesses with barbarians. It was wicked. I mean, we could go on and on. And God's first move was to change the heart of the people that said yes lord and shift their devotion from one thing to another that was his first move from being devoted to your self-centeredness and your Stoic Epicurean philosopher ideas and the Greek God ideas and the worship of Caesar ideas and the worship of yourself ideas and the worship of everything else that you are devoted to. The first move is I'm going to change your devotion and I'm going to move your devotion from this to that. Because we have to have outrageous love and the only way to change that is for me to change your devotion. Now, this is a bizarre twist to me. Rome is burning. And God's first move, the impulse of the Holy Spirit is, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yep. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. Why would that be? I mean, Rome is burning and you're going to have a meeting and listen to Simon Larafello preach? you got to be kidding me. Let me tell you something. When you say yes to Jesus, you have to be transformed or you have nothing to say to that world. Nothing to say to that world. I remember when I first walked into Mid-Cities Church in Midland, Texas. I mean, nasty sea was in my head. Now, I thought it was Bible. I thought DTS was like in the Bible. Are you tracking with me? But I had just said yes to Jesus. I had just said yes. Yeah. But imagine me sitting down in a church service and the apostles teaching, disagreeing with Nasty C. I'm sitting there thinking you've got to be kidding me. But I was cut to the heart. I was cut to the heart. And I left and I couldn't wait to get back again. To sit down to be under the apostles teaching. And I was cut to the heart. And for 40 years I still am cut to the heart. When I sat under the preaching of the word because if I'm going to love them, I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And it cuts through layer after layer and year after year after year. Now this word means devoted means with intense effort. It means every day you cause because this is what his presupposition was. It's gonna be hard to devote yourself to the apostle teaching. How many of you know it's hard to come and listen to Simon every single week preach? The idea is this that to devote yourself from something is an intense work. On, How many of you know if you're going to be devoted to health like Tiam? Tiam, was it a devotion? Every day did you have to sit up in your chair and say no to cheesecake? Did you have to do that? To be devoted to something means every day it's going to be hard. There's going to be obstacles. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be opposition. Satan himself is going to come to stop you. But if you want to love them outrageously, you have to change your devotion and move from nasty C to Simon L. That's how you change what is in your mind. That's how you change what's in your soul. And then when you walk out to the world, because you are devoted to the apostles' teaching, now you got something to say that they aren't hearing at all. At all. This little group of of people were saying things that the Romans had never heard before. In fact, one Caesar wrote, those Christians love us more than we love ourselves. When Licinius and Constantine sat down and pinned the Edict of Milan in 300 and some odd B.C., just 300 years after Jesus' death, it was a political decision because those Christians had changed Rome. Come on. And this was what they said. Their God is the most powerful amongst the gods. Beautiful. Why? Because the apostles' teaching cut to the heart. Yes. The word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And to get there, you have to set under the apostles' teaching over and over and over and devote and redevote and redevote. When I get home, I've been gone a long time. I cannot wait to sit in front of Pastor James Lowe to hear him preach as a professional preacher. Dude. The second thing that is so strange to me is I'm gonna change your devotion from nasty C from DTS to the apostles' teaching. I'm going to change your devotion because to love them There has to be something special here. And they're going to devote themselves to the fellowship. Shared life. Now let me tell you something. My friends were so messed up and so far away from God. When I first said yes to Jesus, I looked at them and I knew I didn't know. But I knew the crazy group of Christians I was building family with They knew. I knew I'm not the body of Christ. So don't ever say, I'm the body of Christ. No, you're not. You're a member. But you're not the body. When we come together, we're the body. How many of you are glad we got one another? How many of you know if you get stumped by something nasty, he says? How many of you know somebody you may not know, but somebody knows? He says, and they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And listen. Building spiritual family is hard. How many of you know just a black person, a white person to build family is hard? Then you add the green person, the mulatto person, the mixed up person, the good dancers and the bad dancers, the opinionated and the sweet, the mean, vicious, vile. It's a miracle. It's an astounding miracle. I remember I, I felt this impulse by the Holy Spirit. I had never had Christian friends in my life, ever. I had to hunt you down. And I remember going and telling my wife, see, you got to change your devotion. you got to stop doing some other things because you got to devote yourself to the fellowship. You have to. So I remember I was asked to play softball. Now, I love sports. But I didn't have any time. Like I was in the marketplace. They sucked up all my time, and then my wife wanted my time. Those women just want your time. Why do they want so much time? My goodness, they want all your time. They suck up all your time. I mean, they sit down to say something. Three hours later, you're still going, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's time Simon time so I looked at my wife and I said honey they want me to play softball she goes great I said no it's not great I don't have any time and I looked at her and I said but I'm signing up she said oh you're kidding Because how many of you know my wife actually wanted me to get saved yeah. Yeah. I mean I was so messed up I was not a good husband I said, because I am desperate to build in with these men. It's not about baseball. You have to devote yourself to the fellowship. And then, then people sinned against me. Some of you Christians sinned against me. <laughs> I've hurt my feelings. Yeah, yeah. How many of you have ever sinned against one of your brothers and sister at Rosebank? Now, how many of you forgave him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Tell me you are still, still working on it. Fellowship is hard, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. But you know what the world mm-hmm. needs to see? People sin against one another and yeah. forgive, yeah. confront, reconcile, and stay together. Amen. Good work. Yeah. Still thinking, dog, how's that going to fix Rome? That all you, That's all you got? And then he says this, and he said, they devoted themselves to the common meal, to breaking of bread. How many of you love that he said, eat together? Yeah. Sorry, Tiam, he did not say vegetarian. He said, eat together. I told Tiam, I said, look, Tiam, when you get to heaven, they're not going to let vegetarians in. So at heaven, they're going to have a burger stand, and they're going to look at you and go, yeah, you, but you got to eat a burger, and this is not a vegetable burger. It's like an animal died for this burger. God killed an animal in the Garden of Eden. So he led, I'm following his lead. Anyhow, breaking of bread. What was the breaking of bread in Mediterranean society? Um, a relationship had a dynamic shift when a meal was had. It's still that way today. Dynamic Dynamic shift. In fact, in those days and in that culture, and it is still that way today, if you break bread together, you would never betray that person ever again. Because you are now in a relationship bond. Why do you think that Jesus waited for the betrayer, Judas Iscariot, to be seated at the common meal To look at him and say, betray me now. Betray me now. It was at the common meal. Betray me now. Today, you know the feeling. You know a couple and you go, hey, let's get to know each other. Let's go out to dinner. To break bread. To come together. To have a common meal. Jesus, when He sat down to have communion with His disciples, that was the common meal with one exception. There was no lamb. Yeah. There was no lamb at the meal. Mm. Why do you think there was no lamb at that meal? Yeah. Because He was the Lamb of God. Yeah. So the breaking of bread. Mm. If we're going to change the world, we need to devote ourselves to the breaking to pull people into our very lives and break bread with them and say, I not only bring you in as a friend, but I will never betray you. Finally, he ends. And sorry, Si, I know I'm dropped dead right now. Uh, five more minutes. Um, then he says the prayer. This is so odd, the prayer. They devoted themselves to the prayer. There is no way we can figure out how to fix. I mean, I couldn't even fix my marriage. Let alone fix the world. Cry out to God in prayer. You know, in Psalms. When you're reading the book of Psalms, there's when a psalm begins with "O oh Lord" or "my God." You know what that's called? That's called an invocation that's actually called an invocation. You're invoking God into the situation because ain't nobody know what to do now. Yeah. So Psalm 3, the first psalm that David wrote that's the complaint or the that that psalm. He starts with, "My God, his son is chasing him to kill him. He lost his kingdom." He had sinned against Bathsheba, there was incest and rape and murder in his family and his kids and his kingdom was gone and there was no way a human could figure that out and he said, my God, many are my enemies, many are rising against me and many more are rising. My God, my God. And then he just said, but you're my Shia. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. You're the answerer of my prayers. Uh, we can't figure it out. We can't. The church is probably more than what we just talked about, but it's never less than that. It is never less than devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching. It is never less than redevoting your lives to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. My God, we come to you. We invoke your presence now. My God, the reason that we have hope is not because of our government. My hope is built on nothing less than than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame of my life, Jesus. The best of days is not what I put my trust in. I dare not trust that, Lord Jesus. We don't put our trust in good days. We don't trust in any of that. We trust in You. We have Gigantic hope for South Africa, because our hope is in you, and nothing less will we ever build our hope in. God help us to have outrageous love, and may we be a place that you can trust to bring the broken world in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Let's give Pastor Sharon a round of applause. Thank you so much for that.